you. Good morning. My name is Abby Osing. As Laura said, I'm the ministry director here at Jamestown Harbor, and I am so grateful that we are gathered together this morning. Have you ever wished that you knew your neighbors better? Maybe it seems as though you pass by one another often. We pass them on a walk or at the hardware store. Um, as we're finding a seat at the football game or grabbing a cup of coffee at the coffee shop before work, their faces are familiar, but we don't know who they are. We live in the same community, but we feel like strangers, not neighbors. We live our own daily lives separately, and yet we also live in this same place. We have stories, they have stories, but they are not shared with one another. I recently read the story of Sarah Harmeyer. She is a performance-driven person who is a young professional. And in uh, 2011, she moved to Dallas, Texas. And she was seeking to change some things in her life, two things. She wanted a healthier rhythm of work and rest. And she also wanted to figure out how to share her gifts with the community around her. She recognized that she felt most alive with gathering people around a table and celebrating others with parties. She realized that one of her gifts was, as she describes it, as a people gatherer. And so in 2012, her dad built her a cedar farmhouse table for her backyard that seated 20 people. They hung a chandelier in the backyard. Remember, this is Texas, so there's lots of possibility throughout the seasons. And she made a plan. She planned to host 500 people in her backyard by the end of the year. She recognized that the plan seemed crazy. And she also experienced some of the tensions of pursuing this dream. She still had this busy full-time job, and she wondered how she would find time to have that many people over to her house. She also wondered who were all of these neighbors that she would invite. And would they even show up? But she became very intentional about pursuing invitations with her friends and her neighbors and with the people throughout her community. And she would invite them to gather at her table. Whenever there was an opportunity, she invited them over. And on Thanksgiving Day of that year, Sarah served the 500th person to join her around her table. Her vision for bringing neighbors together to share a meal and to share about their lives with one another was realized. Maybe Sarah's experience seems far different from our own within our community. If you had to name a vision for connecting with your neighbors or for coming together as a community, what would it be? Our neighbors aren't just the people who live next door to us, right? They're the people in our community that we see at the grocery store or at the basketball game, at school, at the gym, or at bowling league. How do we show up with our neighbors? We often see them in passing as we go to activities, and we maybe have these brief exchanges or limited connection or low expectation for these relationships. Instead, how could we bring ourselves into connection with our neighbors? How could we live less isolated and more connected lives with one another? And what if not only we became engaged with our neighbors, but we also had the opportunity to share the good news? 
we are not the only ones that have faced the questions of how to live with one another and how to live a shared mission in relationship with our neighbors. As the early church sought to carry out the gospel message into communities with both Jews and Gentiles, we see questions and challenges arise with how to live with one another and how to live on a shared mission. To embrace the Great Commission to go and make disciples, these believers were faced with the question, how do I live in community with my neighbors and share the good news of Jesus with them? We are also confronted with that question. And in a culture that promotes individualism, we also face the challenge of how to come together as neighbors and as a community with a shared mission with one another. We're in the midst of a sermon series called The Undivided Self, where we're considering how we show up in the different places of our life and what it would look like to live like Jesus in all the places that we find ourselves in. What does it mean to show up as our best and truest version of ourselves with our neighbors, but also with our friends, our family, our coworkers, and classmates in all the parts of our lives? This morning, we're going to look at the story of the Apostle Paul's partnership with Priscilla and Aquila and their house church. We're also going to look at this missionary couple's hospitality and instruction of the gospel with an evangelist named Apollos. How did this missionary couple show up with their community? We'll also take a closer look at the practice of house churches in the early church. Why did the churches meet in homes? And how could, there, how could we, right here and now, consider the church in our homes, with our neighbors, in the context of our community. This morning, we'll keep coming back to the question, how do we come together as neighbors and as a community with a shared mission with one another? If you have your Bible with you today or have it on your phone, we're going to begin in Acts 18, verses 1 through 3. We're going to have that up on the screen as well. Let's dive in together. After this, Paul left Athens and went to Corinth. There he met a Jew named Aquila, a native of Pontus, who had recently come from Italy with his wife Priscilla, because Claudius had ordered all Jews to leave Rome. Paul went to see them, and because he was a tent maker as they were, he stayed and worked with them. In Acts 18, we're introduced to this couple named Aquila and his wife Priscilla. They were a Jewish couple who came to the Greek city of Corinth from Rome during the reign of Emperor um, Claudius. And the reason why they moved to Corinth was because Claudius had expelled all of the Jews from Rome. So these Jewish Christians um, arrive in Corinth, and they're seeking to strengthen the early church, and they did not let the displacement from Rome stop them from pursuing the gospel message and being on mission. The couple set up a tent-making shop in Greece, and it was there that they first encountered the Apostle Paul. Priscilla and Aquila welcomed Paul into their home and their workspace, providing him with a place to stay and also with meaningful employment that facilitated his missionary activities. Paul becomes friends with these neighborly people. And in Acts 18, verse 11, we learn that Paul stayed in Corinth for a year and a half to teach the word of God. So within this time, 
Paul, along with Priscilla and Aquila, are continuing to work together. They're tent makers together. And they are also sharing the good news of the gospel message with those around them. They are on mission together, bringing the gospel message to the community of Corinth. And so then after their time in Corinth, Paul is determined to return to Syria. And Priscilla and Aquila accompanied him across the Aegean Sea to Ephesus, where Priscilla and Aquila's ministry would continue. So let's continue and pick up their story in Acts 18, uh, verses 24 through 26. Meanwhile, a Jew named Apollos, a native of Alexandria, came to Ephesus. He was a learned man with a thorough knowledge of the scriptures. He had been instructed in the way of the Lord, and he spoke with great fervor and taught about Jesus accurately, though he knew only the baptism of John. He began to speak boldly in the synagogue. When Priscilla and Aquila heard him, they invited him to their home and explain to him the way of God more adequately. So in Ephesus, Priscilla and Aquila meet the Egyptian evangelist named Apollos. With, while Apollos was a learned man who spoke accurately in great fervor, that's what we just read in the scriptures, his knowledge of the way of God was incomplete. Recognizing an opportunity to invest in a young leader, Priscilla and Aquila invite Apollos into their home, and they provided him with deeper instruction and understanding of the gospel message. Priscilla and Aquila, like Paul, were living a missional life. They brought their best and truest selves to those in their community, seeing their neighbors and seizing an opportunity to meet a need in their life. While Paul arrived in, um, when Paul arrived in the community of Corinth, Priscilla and Aquila welcomed him as a worn-out traveler. They, provi- they provided shelter, company, and income for Paul while he was advancing his ministry and missionary work. In Ephesus, they offered the same hospitality to Apollos as they welcomed him into their home and they shared with him um, more insights, perhaps that they learned from Paul, strengthening his witness with this young evangelist. Priscilla and Aquila became sources of encouragement and instruction to those who would teach the church at large by seeing their neighbors Paul and Apollos, really, and sharing the love of Christ with them. American writer and theologian Frederick Buechner describes the starting point of loving our neighbors. Here's what he says. If we are to love our neighbors before doing anything else, we must see our neighbors with our imagination as well as our eyes. That is to say, like artists, We must see not just their faces, but the life behind and within their faces. Here it is love that is the frame we see them in. Rather than simply passing by our neighbors when we are going about our activities, do we see them? One way that we bring our best and truest selves to our neighbors is by seeing them and by recognizing who they are and how we can engage and connect with them. Before we seek to connect, to build relationships, and to meet a need with our neighbors, we must see our neighbors. 
before we come together with our neighbors and, and as a community with a shared mission with one another, we must see our neighbors. As Beekner says, before we do anything else, we must see our neighbors. I love his description of having an imagination, as he calls it, the view of an artist, having a lens through which we see more than just the person's face, but we see the life that is within them. What frames our view of our neighbors? What have you done with your neighbors before seeing them? Have you judged them, argued with them, avoided them, ignored them? How has the frame of love changed your view? Priscilla and Aquila embraced the opportunity to see their neighbors. They invited both Paul and Apollos into their home. And while sharing the mission of the early church, they also shared hospitality with them. But not only with these two people. Let's turn to 1 Corinthians 16, verse 19, where the Apostle Paul acknowledges this couple's partnership in the gospel message. Here is what Paul has to say. The churches in the province of Asia send you greetings. Aquila and Priscilla greet you warmly in the Lord, and so does the church that meets at their house. Notice that not only did Priscilla and Aquila invite individuals into their home, they invited their community into their home. A church met in their home. These two set an example of hospitality within the early church, seen in the opening of their home to use their house as a meeting place for the church. They opened up their home for the mission of God and invited their neighbors to hear the good news. Through their hospitality, Priscilla and Aquila's home became a church with their neighbors on mission together. The gospel news spread, believers were discipled, and needs were met. Now let's turn to Romans 16, verses 3 through 5, and we'll, we'll hear Paul's words about this couple once again. Paul says in Romans 16, Greet Priscilla and Aquila, my co-workers in Christ Jesus. They risked their lives for me. Not only I, but all of the churches of the Gentiles are grateful to them. Greet also the church that meets at their house. As Paul concludes his letter to the believers in Rome with personal greetings, he includes Priscilla and Aquila and the church that meets in their house. He honors this missionary couple and the work that they do with one another on mission. He calls them co-workers in Christ Jesus. Paul refers to a time that Priscilla and Aquila risked their lives, and he thanks them, not just personally, but on behalf of the churches of the Gentiles, which is quite an acknowledgement. He also specifically mentions, greet the church that meets at their house. You see, homes were often the hub of activity in the early church, and Priscilla and Aquila opened their homes for their neighbors to gather. Through the New Testament references to this couple, at minimum, we know that they were missionaries in three different ancient cities, in Rome, in Corinth, and in Ephesus. We also know that they hosted churches in their home in at least two out of the three cities, as Paul describes the church that met in their home in Ephesus and in Rome, in the scriptures that we just read that referenced it. 
In the early Christian church, uh, churches were not buildings, but rather Christians met in the homes of believers. This was one way that the Christians served the church was by providing a space for people to meet. The worship of an early Christian house church probably centered around the dinner table. They don't necessarily sit facing forward as we think of a church building today, but they were sitting at a dining room table. And the center of the activity is really about the fellowship meal or the communal meal with one another. Hospitality was implicit in these gatherings. By opening their home, by providing a space to meet, and by providing hospitality, Priscilla and Aquila brought together their community to share in life and to share in the good news. To what extent do we see hospitality as a means of kingdom growth? Authors Chris and Elizabeth McKinney wrote a book called Placed for a Purpose, A Simple and Sustainable Vision for Loving Your Neighbor, Your Next-Door Neighbors. They describe how we often use the word just in the simple small tasks of connecting with our neighbors. And they give a couple examples like, I've just prayed, or it's just a wave, or it's just dinner. And what they say about it is that that word just is misplaced. When we use that kind of language, we are minimizing God's work. And what we're really saying in that moment is, what difference could it make anyway? They continue by saying, removing the word just from our neighboring vocabulary is imperative if we're going to engage in the low and slow process of seeing the kingdom of God shoot up in our neighborhoods and flourish in our neighbors' lives. Hospitality is often shared through the simple, ordinary moments that have the potential to bring together our community to experience the love of Christ and the kingdom of God. Friends, let me say that again. Hospitality is often shared through the simple, ordinary moments that have the potential to bring together our community to experience the love of Christ and the kingdom of God. Priscilla and Aquila demonstrated hospitality by opening their home to their community and to become the church to those around them. How do we approach people in our community with hospitality? When we invite neighbors over to have pizza and play cards every other month, to eat together, laugh together, and play a game, we practice hospitality in our community. When we become the first and best option for last-minute babysitting for our neighbor's kids, we practice hospitality in our community. When we sit in the living room with our neighbor who has just lost their spouse, listening and simply being present, we practice hospitality in our community. How can your table and your living room be sources of hospitality, of encouragement and support that bring our community together? Who in your life do you sense God inviting you to offer hospitality to? In the story of Paul's co-workers in faith, Priscilla and Aquila, we see a view of the early church and of the regular habit of believers gathering in homes with a shared mission. 
Acts 2 tells us that shortly after Pentecost, the early church began the rhythm of gathering together in the temple courts as well as in smaller groups from house to house. Let's read Acts 2 verses 42 through 47 that give us a picture of this. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day, they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their numbers daily those who were being saved. This picture of the early church shows a rhythm of temple and home, of the church gathered and the church scattered These scattered church communities were called oikos, which is the Greek word for household, and they function very similar to a large extended family. Usually the oikos included members of the nuclear family that lived in the house together, but it also included household staff and close friends and maybe even business associates. These groups shared in life out of which they demonstrated and declared the good news of Jesus. This rhythm of temple and home helped propel the movement of Jesus' followers to deeper discipleship and exponential evangelistic growth. As the church developed over time, the emphasis became more and more centered on the church gathered and less on the church scattered, and the connectedness of the oikos became fragmented. This morning, as you've been thinking about your own relationships, your own oikos, maybe you can relate to this disconnect. We may have a regular rhythm of gathering for worship on a Sunday morning as the church gathered, but do we have a regular rhythm of connection as the church scattered? How could we return to a rhythm of temple and home, a rhythm of the church gathered and the church scattered? And what would it mean for our home, our neighborhood, our community to actually become primary rather than optional? How could our homes be an anchor point for those in our oikos, for those in our extended family to become the church scattered within the community? This movement requires us to show up with our neighbors and also to view our homes differently. Do we stay behind closed doors or do we readily open the doors to our home for our neighbors to feel welcomed? We may consider our homes as our own, as our property, as our space. What if instead we viewed our homes as places that God has provided for his kingdom here on earth? The practices that the oikos of the early church engaged in together were these consistent, regular behaviors that the believers built their lives around. Author Mike Breen calls them predictable patterns, and he notes five predictable patterns. Here they are. Shared devotional life, spending time in the scriptures, in prayer, and in worship together, shared meals, gathering around a table with one another, shared resources. If someone is sick, 
we provide a meal to them. If someone is having a financial hardship, we show up with resources for them. Shared fellowship. We enjoy our time with one another. Shared mission. That we serve together our community. Do you notice how much of life becomes shared through gathering house to house? Do any of these patterns seem familiar? The missional communities at our church are really built around these patterns. Missional communities share a meal together a few times a month. They pray and give thanks together, and they find ways to help people find their way back to God. They exist to be good news to one another and to the community around them. MCs become the oikos, the extended family, as the church scattered, going from home to home, sharing meals, sharing devotional life, resources, fellowship, and mission. They are making these five predictable patterns a priority in in their lives in a way that deepens their relationship with God, with one another, and within our community. Recently, Joni Van Rie shared this photo of the MC that she and her husband, Brian, are a part of here at Jamestown Harbor. What a great picture. And along with this photo, here's what she shared. So very thankful for our missional community. Real people living real lives, loving with real love. You see, this group has found the church in their homes, sharing authentic stories together, and living on mission together with the love of Christ as the foundation of their patterns with one another. Did you hear Joni's emphasis on the word real? You see, sharing in life as an oikos means that we share in our real lives with joys and celebrations, but also with disappointments, concerns, sorrow, uncertainty, and brokenness. We show up as ourselves, and we share that with one another. Our homes become the church in our neighborhood, giving opportunities for sharing life and sharing in the good news of Jesus Christ. Friends, this morning, what is your next step to show up with your neighbors, to open your home, and to invite the community into sharing life and to sharing in the gospel? I hope that we come to understand that God has placed someone as your neighbor right now. And we have the opportunity to be good news to them. How do we come together as neighbors and as a community in a shared mission with one another? Here are some small, very practical ways that I would challenge us to come closer with those in our community. First, become aware of your neighbors. This may sound simple, and yet we may realize today that there are some people that are our neighbors that we really don't know. What might it look like to take a first step in creating a connection? One possibility may simply be to, to start waving or extending a smile whenever you see them starting today. When you see each other while you're picking up the mail or driving past each other in the neighborhood or in the school pickup line, when you sit close to them at the, the school band concert or when you see them shoveling outside, take a moment to make eye contact and wave or, or extend a smile to them. You are starting to build a connection with them at that moment. 
Second, share a meal and spend time together. Maybe you already know your neighbors, but essentially you coexist. You live in close proximity or you run into them often, but you're not building a relationship with them. How could you extend an invitation? Tap into your own sense of joy and invite them to join in with you. Maybe you could have them over for soup or for a walking taco bar. You could host them for a Friday night game night or have them over to watch sports together. Third, join your neighbors on mission together. Maybe today you realize that what's missing in your relationship with your neighbors is a shared purpose of being good news together in your community. Maybe a, a missional community could be your next step in your faith journey that would allow you to engage with your neighbors and to share in lives and live on mission with one another. If you're ready to explore a missional community today, please let us know. Take a moment to fill out that connection card or stop by connecting point. We would love to help you to take that next step. How is God inviting you to connect with your neighbors, with the people that he has placed in your life? And how together could our community join in a shared mission with one another? Let's return for a moment to the story of Sarah Harmeyer and her plan of gathering 500 neighbors around her table. She reflects on her journey of connecting with her community over the years uh, since this began. And here's what she says. I want to make God known by the way of the table. And I'm discovering that there are people wired just like me. People with big hearts for others, for connecting at the table and watching God do big things. I just believe ordinary people like me can be called to love extraordinarily around the table. Are we content to live our own daily lives separately? Or are we ready to embrace a bigger story? Are we ready to come together, to gather around a table, and to bring our stories and to listen to the stories of our neighbors? Are we ready to watch God do big things as our tables, as our living rooms, and as our homes become the church in our neighborhood. Will you pray with me? Gracious God, we thank you for placing neighbors within our lives. Lord, help us to see our neighbors. Help us to extend hospitality to them and to recognize the opportunities to share in life and share in the mission that you have for us together. Through your word, we recognize that we love because you first loved us. Lord, we thank you for your love. We thank you for your grace and your faithfulness. And we pray that you would continue to shape our hearts to be more like yours in seeking after connection with our neighbors and to share in mission with one another. Lord, we pray that our homes, our living rooms, and our tables would become the church in our neighborhood. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.